can't just be us as a church pointing the finger. No, we need to be reaching out our hand to a lost and dying world. And so we're going to cover what church life is. And my prayer is that we will grow, we will shine, we will share. And God is going to do an awesome work in every single life here. You know, a lot of people wonder, what is the church? And we're going to talk about so many different things. It'll probably take us maybe somewhere around seven weeks to go through. But I I love what we read in Matthew 5. Um, Matthew 5, in verse 1, it talks about Jesus being seated, and then his disciples came to him. And so, if there's anyone who is the church, it is the disciples of Christ. We are the church. But notice what he says there in verse 13. Matthew 5, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house." Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, we're going to talk a lot about what the church is. Uh, I think it might be cool for us to just acknowledge the fact that Jesus taught us that we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world. You know, here we see Jesus is speaking to his disciples and describes us as salt of the earth and light of the world. And what he does is he challenges his church, plastado, right in the middle of planet earth. You're you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. We're right there in the middle of this world. He challenges us to be in the world, though we're not of the world, to to be the salt and the light. And so a lot of you probably know that in those days, the salt was used as a preservative. They would put it on meat so it would last a lot longer. A lot of you here know that frozen food is very high in sodium because it's got to be preserved, right? That's what we are. We're the salt of the earth. Through us as Christians, being salty, we actually you know, preserve the world so that it doesn't go rotten. That's what happens when we are the salts, when we are what we're supposed to be. When I think of someone being salty, I actually think of someone being like Jesus. Not, not a Pharisee, not legalistic, not hedonistic, but, but like Jesus. And when we're like Jesus, then we will be used as preservation for the world And when we're not just the salt, but the light, we're going to be used as illumination for the world. Because without the the salt and the light, there's decay, there's darkness, and then there's death. But when the church uh, lives the life, when there's this church life, then there will be the work of God and the salvation that he provides. You see, if we lose our flavor then that speaks of who we are. Flavor speaks of who we are. And then the light, he talks about putting it under a basket. It speaks of where we are. None of us here would ever take a a light and put it under a basket. No, it belongs in the world. It belongs in a place where it would bring illumination. 
You see, and what we find is that Jesus went to church to huddle, and we'll talk about that with the saints, but he didn't stay there. He then went out to meet and greet the sinners and to save them. And so, you know, for us, you guys, saltiness, you know, I know that, uh, I don't know, any of you here like eating eggs without salt, just out of curiosity? I know I do now because I have high blood pressure, but every once in a while, my wife's not looking, I'll just kind of throw a little bit right there. You know, I even eat my beans without salt now, so I guess you acquire a taste, but I tell you what, I can't wait until I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to eat eggs with salt and beans and stuff like that. So anyways, you know, the world without salt, the world without Christians who are like Christ doesn't create a thirst and it doesn't bring that, that preservation that it needs so desperately. God wants us to be this church, this life, this light, this salt. That's who we are. That's who we are. You know, as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, I encourage you, go through chapter 5 and 6 and 7. This is how we can live like the Lord and so when I, when I started thinking about that, Lord, what a difference we can make in this, in this world that we live in, the Lord really just laid it on my heart, Manny, it's time for a study on the church because that's who we are. And I really do sense God doing something beautiful in this body, even though we have our aches and hopefully we do have our growing pains I think it's time to study this together. And I don't even know really, to be honest with you, how it's all going to pan out. But I do know this, that you have been entrusted to the care of pastors and leaders who have a heavy responsibility on our part to do our best to bring you to maturity. You know, when we come together, man, it's not just like coming together and, you know, that's it. You split. You know, it's us coming together so you can know God so that you can grow and be strong in the Lord to know and grow and then go. You know, and you might be a missionary, you might be a musicianary, you might be an usher, you might be a husher. I don't know how it's all going to work for you. God might send you on the other side of the world. Praise God. He might send you on the other side of the street. But I do know that we need to know God and we need to grow as Christians and then we need to go out and be busy about our Father's business, reaching out to a lost and dying world. You know, when we do this, God will be glorified, the body will be edified, and the world will be evangelized through a healthy body of Christ. And this is what the church is. We're salt, we're, we're light. You know, a lot of people have a misconception regarding what, what the church is. I thought it was interesting how one man defined it as a large stone block building with stained glass windows, solid mahogany pews, and an altar. You know, for some people, that's their perception of the church, but that's not God's perception, right? That's not his definition. As, as many of you know, the Greek word translated church is ecclesia, and it, and it originally referred to a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place. It was an assembly. It was an assembly just like this. And over time, what happened is we Christians then claimed this word to ourselves. It was originally a secular word, assembly, but then we took it, ecclesia, we took it church, and we owned it to ourselves because Jesus called us to himself. And so here's the way it works today. If you're wondering, like, what was the study all about? Number one, we're salt, and I hope you know what that means. Number two, we're light. Hope you know what that means. And then number three, we belong together. 
and we belong to Jesus. That, that's really what church is all about. It's inherent in that word. Get out of the house. Get off the couch and go to church. Assemble together. We belong together. And even in that phrase, there's a couple of words I want to highlight. I want everyone here to know that you belong. That you belong. I hope and pray that you know this. I want you to know that if you feel like you don't belong, like you're out of place, that is a lie from Lucifer. Whatever you do, don't buy that lie. I believe with all my heart that every believer is a legitimate part of the body of Christ. We belong. You belong. You, I don't care who you are. You've done bad? Come here, find forgiveness. You've been struggling? Here's where Jesus Christ will meet you, working through his church to help you overcome no matter what it is. Sometimes we get that feeling that, that we don't belong that's just a lie. That's just a feeling. It's not the truth. The truth of the Bible is we, we belong together. That's the church. We belong. I'm so blessed with the diversity that we have here at Calvary Chapel Almani. Some younger, some older. You can, I guess, categorize yourself on your own. With the some of you here are warmer, some of you here are colder, some are stronger, some are weaker, some are louder, some are meeker, different nationalities. Praise God for that. Aren't you guys glad that we have different nationalities? I pray that we would have more, that there would be a greater diversity, background, some are tatted down, some, you know, they're clean as a whistle. Man, praise God that there's a diversity here. You know, some people, when they go to church, they feel like they don't belong. Why? Because they think little of themselves. You know, please, whatever you do, understand that none of us here got it all together. None of us here, uh, you know, started off as a mature Christian. None of us here, you know, have our own inherent righteousness of our own. Maybe you here and you've been struggling and you're like, man, I don't even feel like going to church. I, I feel like a hypocrite. Well, in one sense, and I don't say this lightly, join the club. And there's a lot of people up here, sometimes people even involved in ministry, falling so short. This is a place of grace. This is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. You, whoever you are, you belong. You belong. Sometimes people, you know, they feel like they don't belong because they think little of themselves. I just want to encourage you, just come as you are. Let the master mend your heart. Come as you are. Let the Lord heal you. He will make you holy. And then there are those, however, who feel like they don't belong because they think little of others. Now, some think little of themselves. Ah, I'm not going to go to church Others think little of others, right? Yeah, I went to that church and so-and-so really let me down. And, and you're critical about that ministry or that ministry leader or the weakness or of that part of the work in the church. And a lot of people, um, you know, they're good at pointing out problems, but maybe, just maybe, you were allowed to see that problem or that problem person to be part of the answer. You don't just split. You don't just quit. 
You know, that right there is not the way the church works. Maybe you were sent to understand that we are all still a work in progress. You guys know that we're, this is not a perfect church, right? You know, I mean, there's a couple of guys here I, that never sin, but other than that, <laughs> I think we all fall short. And, you know, so this person over here says, well, you know, I, I, struggling with pride or covetousness, that's not as bad as crystal meth. Who said? Sin is sin, my friend. We all fall short. I'm not making light of it. Come and let Jesus change you. Come and let the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the only way I was ever able to overcome my addictions of alcohol and drugs. It was through the Lord. You know, uh, we live in this church and we're still fallen because the best of men are men at best. I'm sure you've heard that saying. To dwell above with saints we love in heaven, oh, what glory, but to dwell below with saints we know. Now, that's a different story, right? <laughs> you know, and we're all hot, and during the summer, we, you know, get upset. Man, you've got heat coming off your body during the winter. It's warm. It's good. Bottom line is, we need each other. Ephesians 4.16, it says, From the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That person who you thought fell short might need you. You will help them. You will pray for them. You will counsel them. You will encourage them. You will be used by God as an instrument right here as every part does its share, allowing that person right there that's been rubbing you the wrong way to grow. It's kind of like marriage. A lot of times in marriage, people say, well, it's all about finding the right person. Finding the right person. A little bit, but a lot of it is about being the right person. Right? And that's how it is in church. You know, you go in there and you contribute. And God will use. It's amazing how it all works. Because you're always going to have problem people. You're always going to have, you know, people that just, uh, they're not like you and they rub you the wrong way. I call them sandpaper people, right? And so they got all these rough edges and God, they're just rubbing you the wrong way. But what are they doing? They're just doing a work on you and you are learning to love someone that, is, that, is, that has not been loved by anyone in a long time. Have you guys noticed that? That sometimes you go to church and there's usually a few people that, you know, whatever, there's got issues and stuff. And a lot of times you see that person and you want to run the other way. You know, God says, no, run to them. Love them. Listen to them. Take them out to lunch. Spend time with them. Encourage them. They need that. And so do you. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 27 in the NLT, it says this makes for harmony among the members so that the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. You know, when we see what's going on with the Alvarez family, the church rallies to them and loves them and prays for them, and we go through this together. 
You know, and that can be anyone here. Let us know what the prayer request is. Let's bear one another's burdens. Don't hide it. Don't think, well, I don't want to be transparent because anyone's going to know my problems. No, we need each other. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and you weep with those who weep. That's church. And what that does is it doubles your joys and it cuts your sorrows in half. First thing I want to say, after knowing that we're the salt and we're the light, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, is that we belong. Secondly, we belong together. And for that, I'd like you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And notice what we read. I'm actually going to start in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the book of Hebrews is written to Christians who were drifting away. They had become, you know, believers, but then they were being persecuted and they started fading in their faith. And so the author to Hebrews, he writes to them to make sure that they don't let go. We see that in verse 23. You hold tight. Hold tight to your faith. Don't, don't let it go. Don't waver in your faith. For he who promised is faithful. And then in verse 24, it's so interesting. He says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. You know, what, what he's basically saying there is when you think, wow, I'm not going to go to church today. He said, when you begin to get those thoughts, don't just think about yourself. Consider one another. Because every single time, every single one of us comes to church, you are a participant. You are a contributor. God is wanting to use you in the life of someone else. So sometimes people say, well, I'm not going to go to church today, and they make excuses. I'm going to do the live stream, whatever. I'm going to kick back with my PJs. I'm not up to it. Who are you thinking about? You're just yourself. Well, God is saying, wait a minute, time out. Don't you remember what church is all about? It's not about getting. It's about giving. It's not about convenience. It's about a commitment to a church that belongs together. You see, that's what he's saying. When you go to church, consider one another in order to stir up what? Love and good works. God will use you to stir things up. He says right there, not, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That, that word assembling, ecclesia, not, not forsaking, you know, getting together as is the manner of some. And what does that, that say? That says there's a lot of people that are like that. Yeah, church, uh, yeah, for the most part, man, I think I'm, you know, I go three out of four. That ain't bad, right? That's a good batting average, whatever you might be. You know, and, and that's, the, that's the, the way we despise it. And when I say despise, I mean you think little of it. 
You know, I was so blessed to hear about a young lady who attends this church. She's a, a high school student. And, and last week, her family was planning on going camping with the church. And, and from what I understand, they wanted to leave early. They wanted to leave on Thursday or maybe Friday morning. But um, she was a student that asked if she could wait, if they could wait until after school on Friday because it, just, it turns out that this young lady has a perfect attendance and she didn't want to ruin that and I just thought about that and I thought man that's awesome here's a young high school gal who has this commitment and is so commendable on her part and I and I just think man we should have the same heart when it comes to church service you know imagine if we all had that heart you know, uh, on Sundays, we got to be here. There ain't nothing like Sundays. There used to be a time when Sunday was the Lord's day. It was the Lord's day. I'll say that again like that. You know what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> I mean it. I mean, like, man, it's, so, it's such a bummer that our, our country is changing. I mean, the businesses used to be closed because everybody knew it was the Lord's day. And you go to church on Sunday morning and you maybe go and you have lunch or you spend some time with your family, but you be back on Sunday night. But now, what's happening? You guys, I don't know if you can see it, but little by little, the devil is taking away these things that should be deep conviction. And what he's doing is he's disassembling the assembly. I mean, we should be here. We should be here on Sundays. You know, I can't understand, and this is just my personal conviction, I'm just going to lay this out here, how some parents will sign their children up for extracurricular activities that prevent them from attending church on Sunday, okay? I mean, if that were me, I would be like, well, if that's going to be a regular thing, they cannot participate in that curricular event. Or if it happens to be one Sunday game, I would actually have the conviction to say no, my son, my daughter, they have a deep abiding conviction to be in church. Because if you say, oh, it's okay, what are you teaching them? You guys remember Eric Liddell? I mean, homeboy, man, he was in the Olympics. He was in the Olympics. They wanted him to run on the Sabbath, and he said, no. God honored that. The Olympics. I'm just saying. You know, some people on Sundays, man, they've got things to do, uh, sporting events. Uh, your boss offers you some overtime. And again, you know, it's interesting how all that works. Man, you know, because if you're just kind of like, okay, you've been praying about it. Okay, I need to be a good witness to my boss because, you know, I think this time around I'm going to give him what he asked. The Lord knows, man. But if you're just doing it for money, you know, God can't honor that. God said, put me first. Are not I the provider? Am I not the provider? You know, I even know some people, and I know for some of you it just can't work this way, but I know some people looking for a job, I will not work a job where I got to work on Sundays because that's the Lord's day. Why, this is what? This is the assembly. We belong, and we belong together. 
It was said about the early Christians that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer. And you know that, that word steadfast was such a strong word, the faithfulness they had in the early church. You know, if we're on and off in our church attendance, it actually hurts everyone. Imagine they say one-third of the church is absent every Sunday. Imagine if everybody just said, you know what, from now on I got this deep abiding conviction that I'm going to be there because that's who I am. You know, there's a church in southern Europe that, 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 that was called the House of Many Lamps. And it was built in the 16th century. The architect provided no light except for a receptacle at each seat where they would place a lamp. And so every Sunday night, as the people gathered, they would bring their lanterns and then slip them into the bracket at their seat. When someone wasn't there, his place would be dark. And if many stayed away, the darkness was even greater in the church. You see, it's the regular presence of every person that lights up the church. And you might be thinking, well, not me, Manny. I just got this little light. Well, you guys know the song, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, ain't nobody here that's got a little light. You want to know why? Because the light in you is Jesus Christ. And as we come and everybody lights up this place, and, you know, it might just be a hug that you give somebody who hasn't had a hug in a long time. It might be a smile. It might be a word of encouragement, comfort, correction. You know, I, I was even thinking about this, that maybe, you know, you're one of those people, you don't really know anybody, so tell you what, exchange phone numbers with someone. You know, say, hey, can I give you my phone number this way? If I, you don't see me, you can call me and just, uh, you don't have to say, hey, what's up? You can just say, hey, where are you? Are you Okay. You're right. And then if I don't answer, then go to my house. <laughs> because here's what happens. Sometimes people go to church and then they split and then they get mad at us. We hear like two months down the road, yeah, that Pastor Manny, he didn't even call me. And I'm like, who was it again? <laughs> you know, I mean, the church is now, I, we can't meet everybody. And, and sometimes we don't know. Actually, honestly, I don't even know if someone's not sitting in sometimes. And so, you know, they're not there. And so, you know, what I've learned, though, is if you, you take one Sunday off, then it's easier to take another one off. Then you go. Then you take three. Next thing you know, you're not going anymore. That's all I'm saying. So I've always wanted to say this. Number one, write your name in your Bibles, okay? Because <laughs> we get a lot of Bibles with no names. Number two... <laughs> Give somebody your phone number and just say, hey, if you don't see me, um, can you call me? And if not, you know, come and get me. <laughs> Make yourself accountable. Remember, we belong. We belong together. And remember, we belong to Jesus. Right? Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, he will build his church. And, you know, when you look at that, we understand that we belong to him. We're his, you're his. The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church, Ephesians 1.22, 5.23, Colossians 1.18. And so, you know, it's just so cool to know ultimately who you belong to. You know, we're going to see as we go through this whole series on the church that we're the bride, you know, we're the body, we're the building, 
We're going to see we're a family, we're a flock. I mean, there are so many beautiful word pictures as far as who we are and how we function, but just to know that we belong to him, it just changes everything. It's not a place or pews, it's people. We don't go to church, we are the church. And when I pray for Calvary Chapel Almani, I pray for the people. And that's my prayer that we would know what this is all about You know, I was thinking this morning as I was just kind of like praying this morning about Psalm 127. If you would, let's turn there as we close uh, today. Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You know, this is God's church, but I'll never forget many, many, many years ago when I went out on the streets of Almani by myself. It was just me, but I wasn't alone. The Lord was with me. And just going out on the streets and just trying to share Jesus Christ with people on the streets, hoping that they would get saved so that I could do a Bible study at their house, hoping and praying that one day God would plant a church in Almani. You know, and you look back and then you see, you know, the house study and being, you know, at the park and then the little place on Garvey and just a little you know, things along the way and then where we are now and then just understanding that it's the Lord. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, they won't beat it. Right here we see, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who, who build it. Unless the, the watchman, unless the Lord watches over this people, this city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You see what God is doing, you guys? He is building a church. And it's not a, a building per se. One day, hopefully, we'll get a building that's bigger and full of p- beautiful people. But for now, it's just us, him, him building us as a congregation, building you that's, you're the, you're the work of God. He's making you stronger. He's helping you to overcome. You know, imagine this, imagine this. Live a life of love. This journey of joy. Peace for your path. Blessing your marriage, your kids. Jesus. But it's a battle. It's a battle, huh? But the gates of hell, they won't prevail. It doesn't matter, man. Right here we read in Psalm 127, notice again right there, even though it's a battle, it says the, the, unless the Lord, Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The, the Lord is there. He's guarding the city. And so what we find is God will use the church to bring us to this place even though he's the one doing the work the Lord is building the Lord is protecting what we call his construction and protection 
then what we see is God will use his people to do just that. You know, I I read a story, and I'll close with this, uh, about a Chinese prince who died, and he was given a glimpse of both heaven and hell. And so first he was escorted to hell, where he found tables laden with various foods and delicacies, but the people who were sitting there were angry and they were frustrated and they were fighting with each other. They, in this place called hell, were not permitted to pick up the food with their fingers and they couldn't feed themselves. You want to know why? Because they had these chopsticks that were 10 feet long. And so they were just furious, fighting. You know, it was just awful. But then the prince was taken to heaven And again, he found a similar situation, a beautiful banquet and the the 10-foot chopsticks. But here the people were loving and they were happy and they were joyful and they were content because he saw that there, even though they sat on opposite sides of the table, what they were doing was they were taking those 10-foot long chopsticks and they were feeding others rather than themselves. And you guys, that's kind of the way it works in the church. You know, we, we got to be salt in the earth. We got to be a light in the world. We got to know, even though we might not feel it, we got to know it. We belong. And that we belong together. And together, as we're coming to, to love and to stir one another up and to show grace and, and to give and to feed and to serve, then together what ends up happening is God will make us a strong church. And that's my prayer. It'll be like a little slice of heaven on earth, right? You know, recently I, I joined a gym. You might be able to tell. I'm probably not. Uh, <clears throat> but, um... <laughs> um you know, but you know how it is in a gym, you become a member, right? You've got to sign the contract and pay the money and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, some people think, well, that's how you do it in the church, right? You know, how, how do you become a member in the church? How does it work? Is it kind of like that? Because you've got to own it. You know, some people, they'll come here one Sunday and then they'll go there the next Sunday and then they'll go there and then... You know, and I'm not saying you can never, like, visit other churches, but, man, hopefully, man, you get planted somewhere in a home church. This is my church. Not perfect church, but I'm a, I'm a member there. God called me there. How do you become a member? Well, um, it's not like some churches that do membership because I don't believe that you become a member through the works of men. I believe you're born into it. You're born into the church through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a class that you take. It's a cry of your heart. Lord, I come to you today. I, I have sinned. I fall short. Lord, I need you. Come into my life. I know you died on that cross for me. You rose again the third day. And I know your word says that if I believe in you, that I'll be saved. I, I become a member, a child in the family of God. It's just a cry of your heart. 
And if you're here today and maybe you find yourself struggling or maybe you've drifted away or maybe you've never really made that commitment, you know, I, I do pray that, that today you would take that step of faith, that you would call on the Lord Jesus Christ and you watch what he'll do in your life. He really is an awesome God. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life.